Bernie, what a pleasure to have you with us, as always. Uh, this is Swing Thoughts. My name is uh, Humble Howard Glassman from the Humble and Fred Show. Yes, that thing's still kicking around. Uh, golf's uh, spiritual leader, self-appointed. I- I'm still trying to get that trademark. Uh, with me is the uh, head coach of the Guelph Griffins and my dear friend and mental performance coach from O'ConnorGolf.ca, Tim O'Connor. Good morning. How are you? Good to see your smiling face. Fantastic. It's. Uh, I, I just want to admit right now, before we get started, I am not a huge fan of November. Uh, on the Humble and Fred show, uh, fans of the show know that I call it Suckvember. Uh, but I'm trying to get, <laughs> I'm trying to trying to get over that. You know, it's not easy. I'm trying uh, to practice acceptance. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, every day, it's okay. Yes, it means I'm not playing golf for another six effing months. But uh, I'm okay with it. I'm yeah. okay. I'm accepting. I'm Moving trying. On. It's not easy for someone. <laughs> uh, also, I want to thank our friends at uh, TaylorMade. We had a great... We'll, we'll talk about it later in the show, but we had a great experience at the uh, PGA of Ontario Expo last week. Met a lot of uh, old friends, new friends, and it was great. We'll talk about that. Tra- uh, TaylorMade, number one driver in golf, as you know. And, of course, Adidas. Uh, Tim and I are resplendent, if I may say, in uh, Adidas uh, from head to toe. And uh, Bushnell, the rangefinder. Uh, but let's get right to, uh, we're going to do a whole bunch of uh, catching up with the uh, Swing Thoughts family. But first, part of our, uh, part of the great thing, the blessing, if I could say it that way, the, the gratitude nice. we feel about doing this show is around the people we get to talk to. And uh, it's a pleasure to welcome back to our program. I- I've lost track of how many times we've, you know, tried to get them on or had them on. But uh, Carl Morris, Dr. Carl Morris is with us. Hello, sir. How are you? Hi, Howard. Tim, good to be here. But it feels a bit like an encounter group this that we've met, we've met that many times. Yeah, it's start, yeah people exactly. are going to start to talk. As I, I told Carl before this, we started recording, I said, Carl, I just want you to know that I tell people like we're best friends, just because I think it's cool. In fact, I was at a dinner last night at a uh, famous Canadian golf uh, tra- course, and I threw your name around. Oh, yeah. People are like, oh, what, who's I'm, 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 the, I'm the same in the UK. I would tell everybody I know you in the UK. Um, <laughs> but I did. I was actually sitting at a table with some really high-level players, and I talked about you know some of the things we do on our show, Tim. And I said, well, we have guys like Carl Morris, and of course, everyone's eyes light up. You know. Yeah. Well, we get the best on this show. That's for sure. So, Carl, you got a new book out. Yeah, it's an uh, exciting time again, Tim, just to uh, another addition to the family. And um, after the, had a, a lot of really good response to the putting book, the last start of putting. So Gary and myself thought, well, surely there's some, uh, there's some more scope to broaden this a little bit to the, to the whole game. And we sat down and put a few ideas together. And 12 months later, the, 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 the new book's here and, and out and up and running. What's the theme, kind of the lost art theme that you got running through both of the both of the books? I think primarily is that, as you've experienced, Tim. If anything, these days we're kind of we're kind of drowning in information, but thirsting for knowledge. As Chuck Hogan said many years ago, there's so much technical stuff out there. You know, there's so much analysis. There's so much data. You can have literally. Everything from your from your backswing to the fluttering of your eyelids analyzed in in, 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 in your golf swing, and but is it is it is it making people play better? Is it making people more engaged with the game? And then you you know you look at the roots of the game of golf, and you know it's a relatively modern thing, practice grounds. And 
hitting balls and things like that. You know, if you go back, people learn to play golf by playing golf. You know, we, we still we still believe there's a place for the science. Definitely, there's a place to work on on technique without a question. But I think most people would agree when you get on the golf course, it's such a dynamic, changing environment that actually doesn't in any way resemble the way that we that we practice. So. You know that's the that's the whole idea of the art lost art series is connecting back with the ability of being on a golf course and creating golf shots in a in a in a kind of unique moment. You've never had this shot before. You're never going to have it again, and you, you need some resources with you to be able to do that. You know, for a long time, you know, many hundreds of years, people played this game without ever seeing themselves. Yeah. Or having a, a, a video snapshot of their swings. That's the reason I'm smiling. It's like, and this is going to be a weird analogy, but just go with me, fellas. Like, if you were, the first time I saw my swing on video, like, I, it just destroyed me. I was like, I thought I was way better than that. It would be like if you saw yourself making love for the first time, you'd think, wow, I really thought I was technically way better than... <laughs> you know, Howard, this, that was a weird one. I, I, give me a new image to work but it's, with here, but it's, but it, No, but <laughs> go with me on this. That's, that's created it's a powerful vision in my exactly. mind. Exactly. But, but if, you, if you drill down to the core of that analogy slash whatever that is, is that, you know, it, it hasn't really done us a lot of good Overall, in the last 30 years of the technological advancements to the point now that I was talking with my friend in uh, Arizona, Martin Chuck. We were going back and forth about a new device that's a being. I, I said to him, what do you think of this thing? It's called the swing mirror, which you can basically set up a, a, a phone and, and an iPad and you can, ba you know, you can be your own swing coach in real time. You know, that's a long way from the old days of, you know, you just get out there and, and you play your holes and play your game, and then you never really analyzed your swing. You just went out the next day and tried it again. Yeah, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't agree more. I, would, I mean, video was going to be the answer to everybody's golfing problems, wasn't it, when it first came along? But it, it would be a strong question to say, has it actually created more problems than it solved? And, you know, ultimately, when you see a video, especially if you're working with somebody, the, the, the fundamental question is what's wrong with my swing based on how it looks in, in somebody else's opinion mm -hmm. you know and again that's, that's one of the things that we, we propose in the, in the book is that to, to me maybe the fundamental question needs to change if you're trying to improve from what's wrong with my swing to what's wrong with my shots because, because if, it's, if it's actually about what your shots are doing is it too high, too low, too much right to left, left to right then it's less about somebody's opinion on, on how it looks because we're a very you know aesthetic world aren't we we're very visual we like things to look nice we like we like order and things like that but actually that's not that's not what human movement is it's a very individual thing and, and you know ultimately if you can if you can move the golf club in a way that, that produces golf shots as gary often says you know at the end of a round they don't ask you how many swings you've made they ask you how many shots you've taken mm -hmm. well, well carl how much of of what you're talking about has to do with kind of tuning into your own internal experience, your own your own experience, as opposed to, well, I, I think Howard and I have both done this, is trying to do it right, trying to fit some model. You know, like Howard said, he gets his, he sees his swing on video and goes, oh my gosh, that's not adhering to some model that I thought. So how much of the art of what you're talking about is kind of tuning into your own experience? It's very much that same, absolutely. You know, and I know, you know, I know um, 
Fred Shoemaker's been a big influence on you as he, as he has me. And, you know, that got me thinking 20 years ago that when you see a video of your swing, it's a secondary experience, isn't it? It's, it goes up on a screen and you're not connected to that experience. But when, when if the task is to hit a draw or a fade, a straight or whatever, and you are tuned into what you are doing as an individual to make that shot happen, that's a primary experience. Then you're connecting to how it feels for you. You know, and ultimately that's in the end, all we've got on the golf course we've only got that primary experience on the golf course so if you're very disconnected from that it's it's it becomes a tough game and the more i've sort of disappeared down it's like a rabbit hole this that the more you sort of the more you go down it the more the more sort of it, it becomes challenging because i was actually on a course a couple of weeks ago with a bunch of canadian actually a, a guy called andrea spinoza's company called functional um movement uh, and he, he made an analogy. I thought, wow, that's so relevant to golf. And he was saying that, based on dynamic systems theory, if you get a guy, if you get a guy who makes the squatting movement, you know, in the gym, you've got the weights on your back, and you make, he said, if you had, if you had a real expert in squatting, he said, basically, if you if you wired that guy up to a supercomputer, every single version of the squat would be slightly different. You know, this one, the glutes fired first and the next one, the hamstring fired first or whatever. So the idea that we can stand there and replicate movements exactly, it's a very appealing concept, but it's not how we work as human beings. We're, we're, we're built for adaptability, not consistency. And, you know, what you just described is kind of the fundamental frustration of the game. And, and I'll explain by, you know, we, you know, we spoke to Michael Hebron a couple times in 2019, and, you know, you talk about, you know, learn golf or play golf to learn golf. That's his concept. But yeah. what he said, and, and what I, one of the things, I don't know if you remember this, Timmy, but one of the fundamental frustrations is we, we go out trying to replicate exactly these essential movements, and when we cannot, because as you just explained, it's impossible, but we think we're supposed to, and so we get frustrated by our inability to to make a movement against a a perfect model because in an imperfect world you know that maybe that is what biggest, maybe maybe the biggest shift we could have in the whole game howard is being being okay with the fact that it's going to feel different every day exactly and, and and not searching for this idea that I'll get a move in my golf swing that will protect me forever from bad golf. And, <laughs> <laughs> no, that isn't. Every, every, How many no, times have I done that? All of that. You know? That's so funny, Carl, because that's what we want. We want yep. protection. Mm. We want you to be able to sign off on, as of, as of this moment, you are, you're, you're protected against the evil of bad shots. Yeah. You're through the screen. You've passed. You've got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what? How many times have have I say gone through the range on a late Friday afternoon and kind of catch something, you know, Oh, you know, when I lead with my left hip turning or whatever thing it is a day hey, tomorrow. Awesome. By whole three or four poof gone. Yeah. <laughs> and we just, cause we kind of think that this is the key to Nirvana that we're going to hit this shot, you know, consistency, the Holy grail of consistency. Can you speak to that, Carl, in terms of that really does seem when you talk about, say, a rabbit hole or this, this search for enlightenment and consistency just seems to be one that just doesn't deliver. Yeah. And it, but the problem is, Tim, it's so appealing to the intellect, isn't it, in many, many ways that, you know, there's a coach out there who's got the secrets or there's a coach out there who can put you in these positions, as we've said, to protect you from, from bad golf. 
but everything you know even i was i was i did a pod my podcast at the beginning of january with paul mcginley you know a great great golfer played Ryder cup all the winning put in the Ryder cup you know one of the things that he said he looked back on his career and he said he, he wished he'd be, been a bit better at adaptability mm-hmm. rather than trying to search for consistency that you know yesterday he was hitting it with a slight draw and today for no other reason he can't work it out but there's a bit of a fade going on or what or whatever that even these great players you know from day to day there is a slight difference so you know if if we go if we go to the range with the question can i bring with me today what i had yesterday that's the rabbit hole mm-hmm. but if i go to the ra- if i go to the range open it's okay well what have i got today what 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 of the nine shots have i got today and it might feel completely different than yesterday but if you can tune in with what you've got today based on the fact that you as a human being are different than yesterday yesterday you had a you had a you know a, a great a great meal in the evening but today you've had an argument with your wife or whatever the hell it is on, on a golf course that's different if the question is what have i got today that is a completely different approach to the game of golf that actually all the stuff that we're told about being in the moment things like that well that's 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 going right down that route as opposed to hoping like you've just said oh that hip shift that worked yesterday so well that made me flush it if i bring it with me today enlightenment's going to follow me and i'm going to play great golf well we would say that the lived experience of 99.9 percent of golfers is not that but i we still keep going down this hole, or we still keep being sold a dream. Well, I want to just mention to everyone, if you've just uh, maybe you skipped the beginning of this uh, podcast, that voice is Dr. Carl Morris, uh, author of uh, a lot of uh, great golf info. The last book that we all loved was The Lost Art of Putting. This is called The Lost Art of Playing Golf. And by the way, I have listened to a few of your uh, Brain Booster podcasts, and I think it's very, very good. Uh, I love the. I've listened to the Fred Shoemaker one a few times. In fact, Carl, I got a chance to talk to to Fred a couple times this summer through the tournament season. And just what a great! If you guys are interested, go check out the uh, the Brain Boosters with Carl and Fred. In particular, you did a couple episodes with him that are fantastic. And pick up this book if you're a golf uh, nerd like we are. The Lost Art of Playing Golf is available now. Reconnect with the game you fell in love with. And I want to just ask this question. Chapter one, what have you got to be grateful about today? And why is gratitude such a, almost like a, an un, it unlocks so much. And that's why I thought maybe you could talk about why you started with that. Yeah. I think the other thing as well, you know, I certainly fell into this trap is that I, I call it, I'll be happy when. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God. When I stop three putting. <laughs> so, uh, I'll be happy today when I've shot 68 or I've, you know, hit it great or, or whatever. And, and the, again, we fall into that trap of thinking that I, I'm, I'm going to be happy when the performance at the end of the day matches up to my expectation. Well, we, we talk about in the, in the book and experience I had, you know, I lost my mother this year. She, she passed away and, you know, it, it, it's, it's really kind of hit home to me. There's a chapter in, in it's in the first or the second chapter. I, I talk about an experience I had in, in England where I saw, you know, you know, if you've been at a golf club, a long time eventually when you're not there anymore you become a bench on one of the holes you, you get you, 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 <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's funny you, you know you have a plaque a plaque on a bench that you know he arrests howard or tim or carl or whatever right. great servant to the club and all the rest of it. threw so, so many wedges in, into this pond 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was this 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 bench, and on it said to the Tuesday boys. And and basically it was it was the names of four guys and births and deaths. I'm I'm not Colombo, but I'm assuming if they were the Tuesday boys, they probably played every Tuesday. Um, and and I, and and I just thought, my goodness, these guys would have got together on a Tuesday for years and years and years and played golf and stood on the first tee and moaned about last week and you know shot the breeze and all the rest of it. But eventually they all ran out of Tuesdays. There was no more Tuesdays left. You know, and we we all labour under the illusion that there's always going to be more. There's always going to be another season. There's always going to be another chance. And without without going into the darkness of thinking, oh, this is my last round of golf. I think starting with the the, the sense of you know, think of all the things that have to happen for me to play today. The, the, the people who've worked on the course and the opportunity that this is, and the science on gratitude is pretty strong. That if you if you can be a bit more grateful for the stuff that you that you, that you actually have. The paradox is you, you, you probably allow more stuff in, including playing better golf. And you know, we make the warning that we, we, we don't want you to play what we call gratitude with strings. That you know, I'll, I'll be grateful, but secretly, I'll only be grateful if I play well as a I result. I make three pars in a row, then I'll be really grateful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I, I just think it's um, again, it's a, it's a different way of opening up, up a, an instruction. It's not an instructional book, really. It's more a, a series of, of questions to ask yourself. But I think asking yourself what you're grateful for today is not a bad start of the day so rather than waiting for the golf ball to make you feel good why don't you, why don't you go first yeah well it's it, um i think the buddhists say that um a recipe for suffering is is striving clinging to this thing like you said i'll be happy when mm. and and something like to me gratitude is it's it it's none of that it's like in the moment thank you i'm good with where i'm at and to me, that is, if you want to talk about art and creation and all that only happens in those moments. It, it, is, it is Tim as well. And, and I think, you know, being grateful that includes all the chaos that the game throws at you. That, you know, you start with six pars and then take nine on a par five or whatever the hell it is. And, you know, it's, it's tough being grateful in that moment, but it's, 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 that's, that's part of understanding that you will, you will have chaos thrown at you during a round of golf and, and, and embracing that and, and, and thinking to yourself, have, have I got the tools to deal with this? And, you know, they're, they're quite deep concepts really, but I think we're, we're certainly worth looking at. Yeah, well, we're fairly deep guys. We had that conversation before we got on this car and before we got on this call. Um, one of the things that you've used the word adapt uh, a couple times today, and that's a favorite word of one of our uh, another one of our favorite guests uh, is Dr. Ed Collins. And so, why don't you speak to us a little bit about how you think Ed's view on the world in terms of practice, how this fits into the lost art. Yeah, I mean, I, I have a lot of time for Ed. He's been on my podcast a couple of times, and he really... We've had him more than you. He's just, just to we've had him more than All right, easy now, fellas. Come on. Let's not be competitive. <laughs> Even though Ed loves us a, a great amount, I'm sure there's some affection left for you. He All spreads right. the love around. Exactly. Yeah, so. <laughs> but but to, to Tim's question, though, how do, you, uh, how do we sort of uh, mitigate the idea of practice and striving to get better through practice with adaptability and the art of playing the game? Well, I think, you know, one of the things that Ed would, would say that we talk about a lot is rather than look at it as practice, why don't we start calling golf tra- golf training? 
you know, you, 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 tra- you train to be a lawyer, then you practice law. You, tra- you train to be a surgeon, then you practice surgery. Why don't we train for golf? So, you know, what do we, what do we know for certain is going to happen in a round of golf? Well, you're going to miss a bunch of greens. Okay, well, why don't we, why don't we train for that? Why don't, we, why don't we create a game that you go out for nine holes and you deliberately miss every single green? In a certain, in the best possible place, and see if you can get up and down, and see if you can still put a, a score together, having missed every single green. And I think the essence of Ed's work would be how how closely does your training replicate the demands of the game? He uh, he and I talked about this uh, a while back, but what he does. I was telling him, you know, I guess as, as a competitive player, uh, I want to put myself in training in the same situations I have during tournament play. And what he does with some of his players is he said, okay, I need you to birdie one of the first three holes. And so we're going to go to the golf course. We're going to warm up. We're going to get ready. And on the first team, and if you don't birdie one of the first three holes, you have to go home. <laughs> and uh, when you're, when you're a high, when, I'm, I'm not sure if it's a version of that. Like, he, he, you know, if you play the first six and you're not two under, whatever it is, but it makes it very real on a day where you're not playing a tournament because he and he makes these these guys do it, and they they have to get off the golf course. So you're tuned in in a practice or a practice training round in a way that's you know more like you hack you actually play the game. Um, I don't know where I was going with that, except that you know most people listening to this aren't striving to be you know plus handicaps or tournament players. All they want is to find a way to be a little happier. They think they want to get better, but I think what they're looking for is to be happier during the playing of this game that we give so much to. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that you could you could start to look at is this idea of what have I got today. And so when you when you do it a, f- a few warm-up shots, if the pattern seems to be that the ball's moving left to the right in the air a few a few yards... To me, the real key is to sort of say, rather than trying to fix all of that, okay, this is where I am today. Let's make a bunch of decisions on the golf course based on that. Because the real problem is that today you've got that ball moving a few yards left to right, and then you get on on a hole and your brain says, oh, this is perfect for a draw. <laughs> well, uh, trying, to, trying, to make, trying to make draw decisions on a, on, a, on a fade swing day, that is where I think most of us come unstuck. You know, one of one of one of the suggestions for I had I, um, had Martin Hall on uh, on my. This is almost like we're trying to like a game of poker. We're trying to like I'll start you with an Ed Collins and you oh, can yeah? raise me with a, a, a Martin Hall. Okay, uh, all right, smart but, but, guy. I'll raise you two Michael Hebrons <laughs> and an Ellen Langer. Look her up. <laughs> hey, Gabriel Wolf. Yeah. Oh, you've, all right. You've, you've got a flush. Yeah, man. <laughs> she, she wouldn't come on my show, so you've, well, got, you've got one in front of you know, you know what? Let us have a word. Let's have a word with Dr. Ellen, and we'll see. <laughs> no, I had Ellen Lang. But no, Ma- Martin was interesting. He said he watched Tiger Woods many occasions give, give clinics, and he said what's really interesting with, with Tiger, he said he'll hit just a couple of shots with a wedge, nowhere in particular. And then he said every single shot thereafter – has a very specific shape and trajectory. Right. So, so Woods very quickly is tuning into what am I trying to get the golf ball to do? What 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 can I get the golf ball to do today? Um, and it, and it's just a different way of thinking about what 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 are you trying to get the golf ball to do? What can you do? And then how can you go on the golf course and, and use what you have? Yeah. Well, speaking of a different way to do things, 
in our culture of golf, most people think about it as, you know, those who are really trying to improve their game, I got to go to the range, I got to hit balls so my hands bleed, I got to work hard, grind, and all that. And to me, when I talk to my uh, players on my university team, I say that that approach is as close to useless as you can get. Yeah. Yeah. Where, and what I think what we're talking about, particularly connecting to the art part of it, is play the game, go on the course. Yes. Adapt to the course, the challenges that are, that are, that are facing you and, and what you face day to day. Like you say, you know, one day it's a draw, one day you're hitting it kind of straight, the next day it's different. So, Carl, I think this is a drum that you beat from time to time as you get it on the golf course. Can you just kind of connect the, the art part of what we're talking about to getting out on the course and how that can make you improve? Yeah, it's, it's, inter- it's interesting, Tim. You know, I, I remember years ago, I can't even remember who, who said it, but um, said, I wonder what would happen if for 12 months on the PGA Tour or European Tour that that all practice was banned in the sense of being on the range, and all you, and all they could do was just go on the golf course. And I, I'm 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 not I, I'm pretty convinced that scoring wouldn't get worse. I, I think I think it would probably get get better. Now there is always players always say to me, if I just play golf, um, my technique gets worse. That's that's one of the things that people worry about. Which again, if if the question is what's wrong with my swing based on how it looks well your technique then will always be getting worse but if it's about the shots that you're playing that's a different approach and I think that that, that ultimately your brain is such um, is so, it's so dependent on context and environment you know we behave differently in a church than we would uh, in a football game we behave differently with our parents than we would with our friends so mm context is hugely important for the way that the brain responds now if your context is as you said Tim you on a range hitting balls for 10 hours one after another as you said that is so far removed from the context called golf course where you've got other human beings with you you've got one shot one unique location the environment's constantly changing you know it's it's the more you sort of drill down and you think, well, why, why, why is it so prevalent that we, we, we still keep doing this? But the stories, the stories of hands bleeding and hitting balls in the moonlight and all that kind of stuff. The mythology stuff, of it, yeah. They're so strong, aren't they? And, and I've always said to people, if, if, if that's what you do and you're, be- you're getting better and you're enjoying it and you're, you're improving your game, whatever you do, don't stop. But for, for most people who, are, who really want to see, the, see if they can get better or enjoy the game more, maybe the thought of just being on the golf course and training on the golf course playing a bunch of different games on the course for nine holes mm-hmm. give that a goal for give that a goal for six six weeks two months next year and see see what happens because we just had some amazing results with players when they just we, we say to them you know come over to the dark side you've, you've, yeah, you've yeah. been over there for a long time but also think about just going out uh, in, in an evening and play mm-hmm. you know, the, the light is slanting in and you play like three or four holes that to me is heaven on earth. You know, but I, I I agree, Timmy and Carl. But about two and a half, well, maybe two weeks ago, we still had some really nice weather here, and I played with a bunch of guys, sort of fall golf. It was about ten degrees, a bit windy, but we played eighteen holes, and they were all done. And I didn't want to get in my car and drive home in traffic, so I spent about another hour at the golf course, just playing five or six holes by myself, and uh, with a couple balls, and you know, no, wasn't a tournament, and and, and it was just such a purely golf joyful 
like joy, like the spirit. That it's kind it's, of like being a kid. Well, yeah, and with 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 the you know it was late you know late October, early November, whatever it was, and just kind of there's it was just golf for fun and. And you know it's it's a, it has a different you know but I'm saying it has a different feeling you know even even the round when the round ended I was I was having a great time but I was still trying to get to the there was a score I was trying to make where when I played those five or six holes there was no score I was just playing the golf ball around by myself and happy to be out there and you know there's maybe, maybe that maybe that as you as you both said is the is the ultimate golfing experience and what I find amazing I'm sure it's the same in in the Canada and US as it is in the UK. I, I go to a lot of clubs and do seminars and, and I, I usually arrive around about 4.30, 5 o'clock for a 7 o'clock start. I'm, I'm pathologically early wherever I go. It's a, it's a problem that I can't be late for anything. But <laughs> yeah, it, always, it always amazes me how quiet the golf clubs are. At, you get to 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock and there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. And it's the best time to play. Absolutely. Even, even if it is about working on your game, it's the best time to do it because you can get out there and you you know, you know play a bunch of different holes, play across the... Whatever it is and get creative. But it, it, as, as Tim said, it's just... It can be an almost spiritual experience. Not almost. It is a spiritual experience to be out on the golf course. The Lost Art of uh, Playing Golf uh, includes a chapter that's similar to The Lost Art of Putting. And I know because you and I spoke last fall at the end of a tournament season where I, I thought I putted horribly. And I can tell you, one of the things that we talked about, Carl and I, and discussed about this story, and, and Carl said, you know, Howard, at some point you have to stop telling yourself the story of all the putting woes, and I was gathering up all the putting data. And I can tell you that through this entire 2019 tournament season, where, you know, I've talked about this on the show, I had my best year of golf ever as a tournament player. I can tell you that almost, well, every putt I've taken in 2019 includes this, the following phrase in my head, what is a good putt like, oh, no. Is it possible for this putt to go in? And what does this putt have to do in order for it to go in that hole? And it's become so habitual. I don't even think about it. But even when I was playing those five or six holes, is it possible for this putt to go in? i got to tell you, Carl, I've sank more long putts this year. I had also my best putting round ever this year, 25 putts in a round. I sank like 45, 50 footers to the point where it was a joke. But all because my mind wasn't about technique it was about is it possible for this to go in the hole and oh, was, that's testimony material you better uh, get that in the second edition of your putting book but, but i'll tell you <laughs> i'm assuming that chapter four what does a good shot look like is a similar philosophy yeah it's ex- exactly the same but it's interesting you know hearing your version of that we had a guy i, I don't know that you know a, a guy called bob royak who's just he, he won the u.s senior amateur this year um, and, and he got in, he was kind enough to get in touch he said similar story to you he'd been hanging on to a story for a long time about how his best putting was behind him and he, he you know he worked on all the technical stuff and people said your strokes this and that and the other and he, he got hold of a copy of the book and exactly that he, he just went out and started to ask those couple of questions and apparently in the in the US senior amateur, I think he played 140 holes or something like that, and only had one one three put on these lightning fast greens. And you know, it, it can almost it can almost seem too simple, can't it, to ask a couple of questions? But those questions stop the story or stop the old story that what's wrong with you or all the baggage that you've got. Because ultimately, when you ask the question, is it possible to hold this putt? Well, 
yeah it is okay what does the ball have to do to go in the hole you've got to do this that and the other and your brain can then your brain creates movement to to make that happen but if i may interject what what i loved about it is because when you ask the question is it possible then you're not saying this putts for bogey or i need to save this for a birdie you're not thinking about i i don't go into a green now i i just do it i mean it took me a while but now it's subconscious but i find myself looking as i'm looking at the putt thinking only is it possible? Yes, it is. What do I have to do? And then but the but great thing is, because I'm not telling, I'm not accumulating the story anymore, I'll miss a putt. Miss a four-footer. Yeah. People miss four-footers. And I used to say to myself, I, when I miss it or I don't, I just go, well, that's cool. I, I'm, you know, I couldn't tell you anymore. I, I couldn't tell you how many three-putts I have anymore because I'm not thinking about that being a three-putt. I go, hey, golf's tough. Sometimes you miss putts. It's just that simple. If you think back to that conversation that we had, how powerful was your old story? It was. It was. You were. Your, your brain was on red alert to keep confirming the story. That's right. Here I go again. Thirteen greens of regulation. Four three putts. Blah blah blah. I just don't think that way anymore. I go golf's tough. Sometimes you miss putts. If you have a seventy-five foot putt that's downhill and breaks four ways, good luck. You know what I mean? Now when I hit that, yeah. now when I have a seventy-foot putt and I get it within four, five, or six feet, I go, good job, buddy. Let's go sink this next one or not. Do you but say better than most? <laughs> Dudes, I'm, I'm telling you, like three weeks ago, I sank the longest putt of the entire year. And when it went in, I was just like, look at me. Um, anyhow, guys, uh, let's just uh, give a – Tim, you have a couple more things, then we're going to let Carl well, I just go. wanted to run this by Carl, why I've got the opportunity. So, Carl, uh, I had in the summer, it was like one of my best summers of putting. And and – Certainly, some of the credit certainly went to uh, to your book, uh, which I think is one of the you know. There's, there, I don't think there's one actual tip in the book. You know, you say don't tell you to do anything. Exactly, you don't don't keep your head still. Nothing, anything like that. But I had an experience in this summer. There's a couple of weeks where I just didn't come up with any sort of not a story, but not even like thinking about it. And on this one particular hole at uh, the club that I play at. I looked at it and I went, I don't know if this is uphill or downhill. I don't know. I just got over the putt and just hit it. And it was like a 10 footer and it actually tended, it did end up to be downhill kind of right to left and it happened to go in. And there was kind of like a revelation to me that I don't need to go through this intellectual process of, oh, this is downhill or, you know, get into the hole, any of that nonsense. And, you know, Howard's heard this ad infinitum. I just allowed my body to create the shot. So I just, I just like you to riff off that. Yeah, I think that's that's a perfect example that you've that you've trusted that onboard supercomputer that we've got. You know that that can organize movement. I mean, how many how many times have I stood on 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 practice putting greens and with 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 a bunch of students and i'll get somebody to throw a ball to me and then i'll move back and they'll throw the ball to me again i'll move somewhere else and then i'll throw it again and they always they always find the target so you know i think we, we underestimate the ability of our body to organize movement based on an intention what do i what do i intend to do so i think that's why the question what does the ball have to do to go in the hole? It doesn't need to be a verbal intellectualization of that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be, you know. And, and, and again, it sounds like I'm anti anti technology and, 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 and science, and I'm and I'm not. But I, I sometimes wonder, and I see it at the highest level of the game now that 
you know, all the all the green analysis that's done and the and the charts and the books and all that kind of stuff and the and the aim point and all that. And, and again, if it helps, great. But I, I just see a lot of players just drowning in all this information, and yet they they have got a computer on board that has played so much golf, has had so much experiences. Don't get excuse the language. Don't get in the fucking way of it. Let it let, let it let it work. Let it you know let it let it go. It, it knows what to do. But you you know listen. I, I I think what we to distill it down. One of the reasons that people get caught up in the technical part is because as they're approaching any shot or putt, they attach a story to it. It has some significance to it. And the idea of interrupting that with good questions, what's the shot here? Where do I want to leave it? You know, I've even noticed, you know, not having, um, you know, seen the book this summer, but I, I started doing that in my own game. Like, what, where do I want this to end up? Should it not be yeah. perfect? And those kind of things keep you away. They keep you away from the story of this is for my, you know, second birdie in a row, or I've got to get this putt. And 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 in order to give your supercomputer the opportunity to, as Tim said, just kind of look at the hole. I mean, look at McElroy. McElroy had one of his best career years ever. You know, two years ago, I used to watch him putt and go, "Oh my gosh, like this guy's horrible." And now, when I see him putt, it almost looks like he's has a, a, a calmness, a, a equanimity, if you will, about the way he approaches it. You notice he's not taking a lot of practice putts. He just kind of visualizes it, walks around, and then he gets in and pretty quickly pulls that trigger. And you contrast... I've got a funny, I've got a fun, I've got a funny story about, about that, Howard, with, with Rory. Um, I kind of know Rory from working with Graham McDowell. I don't know him well, but when Graham Graham would always play practice rounds with him going, going years back, so he kind of he, he would kind of know me to, to say hello to. And at the Scottish Open this year, I was there, and um, I was I was with Graham. We're coming out the clubhouse, and Rory's coming out as well. And uh, obviously, they they you know know each other really well. And they were, hi Graham, hi Rory, how's he doing? And he, and, and he kind of looked at me. He said. Rory looked at me. He said, "Oh, Carly said, um, he said I've just got your book, your putting book." And I'm thinking, Jesus, he's gone on Amazon and ordered the putting book and all the rest of it. And long, long story short, I found out later on he'd been across the road at Archerfield where Gary Nichols, the professional, had been practicing there, and Gary, Gary had actually given him a copy of the book. So I, <laughs> I, yeah, he hadn't actually bought it, but but interestingly, he did say that he, he'd gone very much down the technical route for a while. And he said, he said he just found it impossible to take that onto the golf course with him. And I know he's done a lot of work with Brad Faxon uh, on his putting, and it's much more instinctive, much more in tune, much more about creating imagery of the putts and things like that. You know, so and he does seem so much freer now. Now he's shed a lot of the technical technical baggage or the search for uh, a putting stroke perfection. And speaking of, of Rory, I, I, I got to ask you this: your perspective. I, I think Rory's undergone. A transformation of sorts. I, I really think that this year showed that he's kind of moved from this place of of the story. You know, he won the four majors, you know, quickly as a you know a younger version of himself, and never thought he would do it again. And it, like he just ebbs and flows, but he would like live and die with his golf. When he won the players, he said, you know, I it changed my perspective. He says, you know, now, you know, if I didn't shoot sixty four, I wasn't a good person. Yeah. And, you know, well, yeah. And if I shot 74, you know, what would happen to me? And now he's just come to this place where he's good with it. And it just seems that whether you see it in his putting, 
in his game, the way he carries himself, and now it's coming through in victories, that I think he's practicing all this stuff that we're talking about, close to it, about place of gratitude, place of I'm okay where I'm at. Just coming to the game from not not a striving, not I need to do this, but I'm okay where I'm at. There was a great interview, Tim. I can't remember the exact words he said, but it was it was a few weeks ago when he was... I mean, it seems like he's, he's read a lot, doesn't it? I mean, for oh, some yeah. of the things that he said, he's, yes. he's obviously been been you know you know really looking at different different approaches and different thoughts. But he said, and it was a great interview, and he was just talking about. He said, you know, golf is golf is incon- so inconsistent. He, I think he quoted he played somewhere uh, and, and didn't do very well one week, and the next week he goes and wins the Canadian. He won the Canadian. Yeah, he won the yeah, RBC by by a, by a bunch of shots, and he, he, it was more or less he was saying that you know. Guys, it's not meant to be consistent. It's not meant to run in a straight line. But he was clearly more okay with that. You know that that he made peace with the inconsistency. And I think that when you can get to that place, then all of a sudden, a lot of these things that we've been talking about, you can allow them to come through. Well, and a very you know small version of that is, as I spoke to Carl last fall at the end of my tournament season, the idea of becoming more comfortable and okay with the variables of the game actually ironically or weirdly enough when you're comfortable with the idea of say three putting is not the worst thing you can do i actually three putt less now and when i do the occasional time it's like well that's that's how this game goes sometimes you're gonna just not it just doesn't have to work out it's what you do and i'm not sure if it was carl or or somebody else we interviewed but it's it's what you do after that one of the first things i remember from our first interview with you was the idea of okay i've hit the shot and in 10 steps, uh, whatever the formula was, I'm now leaving the shot behind. The problem with the game is we drag all the shots of our lives with us whenever we play, which is what turns a lot of people into miserable golfers and not having a lot of fun because they just see it as a continuum of uh, a lifetime of failure. Sorry, I didn't mean to bum everyone out, by the way. No, but, no, but I, I, I think what you're talking about so much is I'm just going to throw it to you in a minute, in a second, Carl, but... Howard, you talk about from time to time the phrase the chaos of tournament golf. Oh yeah, and so it's being able to, in essence, respond yes. as opposed to react and get dragged into your old stories. Absolutely, Carl. Yeah, I mean it's um, you know again, again these these words that keep coming back. The, the, we, we we love the idea of order. We love the idea of repetition. We love the idea of consistency. But do you know what? Golf is such a mirror of everything else, isn't it? You know, we, we, we like to think that the economy is going to behave in a certain way. We like to think events are going to... Our kids are going to operate in a certain way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All, you know, without it, without it sounding too left field, you know, so many of these things that golf reflects back are, are absolute mirrors of, of the whole bigger game, really. Of, of and, 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 this, and, and this then, when you embrace the chaos... As Howard just said, the paradox—it's like paradoxical improvement, isn't it? That when you, the more you embrace that, actually, the more it tends to order itself, and you deal with whatever comes along. I had a, a young guy who plays on the European Tour and had a good year this year, and I, I said, "What's going to be the theme for the year?" And we banded a few ideas around, and, and we fixed in the end on, on expect nothing, deal with everything. That's right. That's, yeah. Um, well, you, we think of the greatest leaders. If you look at sort of like in 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 wartime, they while everyone else is losing their heads, they're able to just react to the chaos. 
and respond in an appropriate way that's going to save lives. That's very dramatic. But in essence, we're kind of talking about all ranges of that. Well, and, you know, I can tell you, Carl, when I say I had my best tournament year, statistically I did, but also mentally I did. I had a lot of ups and downs within tournament rounds, and I was, you know, sort of, I, I, I got a lot of satisfaction out of, the, out of re- how I reacted when, yes. when, things yeah. be, when things inevitably go sideways. You know, I sat last night at the table with one of the top players in the country, a guy named Simon McKinnis, and he's a fine, fine player. And we were just talking about, you know, how you react within a tournament really is more important than how, how well you're hitting the ball. And, and I will tell you also, parenthetically, that one of the things he talked about is his visualization. Like, this guy is a plus-three handicap. You know, really, really fine player. But what he talked about at the table was how he sees shots before. Nothing was technical. It was all about his his view of the shot, how he sees it before he hits it. And I was, like, fascinated by it. Isn't that interesting, though? Again, reinforcing that what we said earlier on, that every shot has three parts. There's what, what goes on in your mind before the shot. There's the shot itself. And then there's how you react to the shot. Yeah virtually everybody trying to improve is only focusing on the middle bit that the as we've already said the holy grail is if i can move the club in a better way and i can move better everything will be fine what about maybe if you said just for one year i'm going to work more on the first and the third bit i'm going to i'm going to work more as you said on your reactions and be proud of the day that you go out and you feel like crap and your swing's not great but you deal with it and get more into what 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 could you achieve we've had some really interesting results with uh, with the putting the idea we call it the three ball highway of imagining that three balls are tracking into the hole at just the right, right at the right speed but again spreading that to the to the to the wider game getting people to play around with imagery i've seen i've seen a, a, a track in front of them and seeing golf balls shaping into that track whether it's drawing it straight fade or, what, or whatever and again, the more that you that you engage with the imagery, I don't know the full science on it, but does the imagery provide the body with a really rich map that it, it can then organize movement around? Would it not be better for us to explore that for a season rather than try and fix the swing again for the 93rd time when the other 92 versions didn't actually work anyway? Yeah, I think we're actually into millions of times trying to, <laughs> trying right. to change things. But yeah, it was interesting right. about you talked about that third piece about the, the reaction. And I remember, uh, Carl, one of your uh, audio, your, remember way back when you used to actually have CDs? And I, and I was a. I, avid, I remember before that when we had cassettes. Do you guys there remember? You do you guys remember <laughs> when we had to churn our own butter? Anyways, yeah, continue. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, ancient technology, and I was a big fan of Carl of your CDs. And I remember one of them. You said uh, one of the quadrants of golf was in between shots. Yes, and it was like I went, like I've read every freaking book on golf that's been published pretty well. Yes, um, and none of them ever dealt with between shots, <laughs> which is ninety percent of the game. Yeah. Uh, the Lost Art of Playing Golf. Reconnect with the game you fell in love with. Uh, Gary Nickel and Carl Morris. LostArtOfGolf.com. 
Uh, always a pleasure, sir. Uh, we can wish you nothing but the best. Uh, I don't know. Do you guys have uh, the holiday season over there in the UK? Uh, whatever. The holiday season will be upon us. <laughs> we we I think heard this Carl is, talk about Santa Claus. We think this is a great book for the holiday <laughs> season. Uh, you know, one of these days, Tim and I are going to get on an airplane. We're going to come to the UK. We're going to hang out we're with just you. We're going to hang out with you and Dr. Ed and just uh, take a tour. But in the meantime, we'd look forward to having you on our show again. Brain Booster is uh, Carl's uh, podcast, which I love. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best. It's been a lot of fun again, guys. I, uh, I always enjoy uh, chatting with you. It's, uh, it's interesting when you were saying at the beginning about... Um, in, in Canada, at least you decide that the weather's so bad that you don't try and play golf for six months. In, in the UK, we labour under the illusion that we can carry on playing. <laughs> it's, we, 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 we've been the last couple of days in the UK, we've had about three months of rain in, in, in two days. So uh, we're submerged in this country at the moment. But, uh, well, you stay well and dry, and, and we'll speak to you again. Many thanks. Thank you, my friend. Let's see how he hangs up. How does he just? He says goodbye. He just hangs he up. Go, his he phone. takes his cursor. He goes just to the bottom click, right. And just he hits click end off. meeting. <laughs> just go to end meeting. Carl, Carl. We, you and I were going to chat a little bit later. Oh, are you going to chat now? So yeah, I, I'll, I'll send you a text and we can jump back on Zoom. Okay, if you have time. We can stay on now if you like. Well, no, because we have more podcasts. We have, we have we're going to finish up our podcast and, and it's all just nonsense stuff. and just okay. nothing but bullshit. I, 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 I need to go around about 3.15 if that's it. Can you come in? Does that, does that work for you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just drop me a text and I'll, I'll jump back on. Take care, Carl. Just hit end meeting. I'm on whatever. It's like, you know, listen, this is like my radio show. <laughs> we often have on my radio show, we often have what we call on-air meetings where we like, well, should we do that? Uh, just hit end right. meeting there, Carl. Okay. Right, there we go. Bottom where right. The hell, where, the, where the hell is end meeting? Bottom right. Le- Bottom leave right. meeting. Leave meeting. Okay. There you go. There we go. Now we're okay, gonna, fellas. We're going to talk about Carl behind his back. There we go. Um, that was fun, eh? Yeah, that by the way, uh, yeah, before I forget, yeah, it was great. He's great. You're great. Uh, we're all great. We're all great. Ralph yes, Bauer. So I, got a, yeah. I, I went and oh, saw yeah. Ralph. That guy's, he's the real deal. You went to his house? Yeah, man. I went to, uh, where was I? Turtle Point? Was that, is that where he lives? Turtle, Turkey Point. Turkey Point. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's some, every... some, some animal and geographic <laughs> you know location. Every single time I try and remember where it is, I go turtle first, then it's turkey second. Anyway, I was at Turtle there. Peninsula, uh, Pigeon Isthmus. You know, um, He's quite a character. Ralph uh, oh, he helped is. out uh, Tim's team, and he works with uh, Adam Hadwin, Kyle Stanley, Kevin Chapel, Kevin Chapel, Let's guy to shoot fifty nine. Four or five different tour players. Johnny Vegas, and uh, you know it's very. I'll tell you what. It was really interesting because he, as as you, we we talked about it on the show with him, but he's a very he's into fitness in a very real way as it relates mm-hmm. to athletic motion. And so he tested me on a couple things. First of all, the warm-up he gave me was great, which is, if, if nothing else, I can pass on to you golf nerds that, you know, just warming your body up for golf is not something that I, I think I'm doing it, but not like he showed me, that warm-up, you know, the jumping and the... Yep. But uh, we did a couple things before we put a golf club in my hand, and, and what we tested or what he tested me was my balance. Mm. So, you know, he put me on a wobble board and he okay. put me on a on a Swiss ball, which years ago, you don't know this about me, but I owned a uh, I owned a gym. 
and I was very into training, and I had... Uh, oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, I had a business for a couple of years where I bought in and did the marketing, but I was really... That was kind of like the in my early 40s, the best shape I've ever been, and I was on a Swiss ball almost every day. And But but when he put me on the Swiss ball a week ago at 59, I couldn't even sit on it. Like, I'm so... All those muscles in your core from your sort of knees to your the middle of your body, I, I just... I just don't have them. And and he said, "Well, there's your there's a big issue. Like if you can't balance yourself, then how are you going to balance yourself in a golf motion?" And he was very it was very interesting. I'm like, "Wow, I never even considered that." You know, you think, "Well, you know, I'm going to do the TPI workout this winter, which I started doing, and I'm going to do all." But balance wasn't something I thought of. But when he when he tested me and my balance was horrible, and and then we started just working on a few golfy golf things, but I can tell you, he's a very interesting character. And uh, so I went, of course, Monday I ordered uh, a Swiss ball off Amazon and a little balance board. And I've been doing that every day. I got the thing on. And it's funny because even after a couple of days, I, I can feel it in my core. It's like I got up this morning and I my whole sort of in, like you're in much better shape than I am. But but my, my middle was sort of that kind of good feeling of like, oh, there you go. There's some muscles. That tightness. <laughs> well, it was almost like well, there's some muscles I haven't felt in a long time. <laughs> what what is that feeling? Again, in my I've been sitting on that Swiss ball, and my inner thighs are burning because it's not those aren't muscles I normally use, and yet he made a good point. Those are the muscles you need to recruit to be stable while you swing a golf club. Anyway, I just thought it was interesting. A little update on Ralph Bauer. Yeah, well, what's interesting about that again? It seems to be a theme of this show. Is it, it runs counter to the culture? Most people think that they're going to find Nirvana in golf. As we talked about with Carl, they run to the range and whatever thing that they're seeking to do better, you know, dropping in whatever technical thing. Yeah. So much improvement is just around your body and and better balance, strength, flexibility, get this body warmed up. Yeah. And the thing that Ralph uh, taught, and I, I just completely get it, and I saw it in my own university players, is that when they did kind of what he calls the executive warm-up, the golf just becomes easier without having to do all this trying and remember the swing thought and all that stuff. It's just something. It's just something you're able to to do, and your body is like warmed up. It's ready, you know, and it, it's it's right works with like the, the alignment thing too. You just your body just works in a better way. Well, you know, it's funny. We're talking about Rory McIlroy, and I totally, what you just said, I totally don't want to negate it. It's it's funny. I look around at the guys I play with, and nobody does what he had me do. It only took about five or six minutes. First of all, I couldn't skip rope, so I just had to jump and turn. Me I, too. Me too. I, I couldn't honestly, skip rope either. Yeah. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Like, I couldn't even freaking skip the rope in balance. So... But I don't know anybody that does that five or six minutes. But as he described to me, he said, you know, these tour players, they go to the gym and on golf days, they're doing 45 minute warm ups, bike and skipping and stretching before they hit a golf ball. Whereas most of our friends, including us, sometimes we go to the course, we take a couple of clubs, we stretch it over our head and we start hammering golf balls. Trying to remember what the thing was, you know, it's like we're having, not even, having a sip of beer between. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but we're not even doing drills. Like there was a great uh, on Instagram. There was a great thing. Uh, Rory McIlroy getting ready to play, and he's doing a little pump drill. He's doing a drill before he starts hitting balls because he's trying to. You know, he's just doing a. a but n- most people don't even do that. 
They just go and they try and, you know, try for perfection, which as uh, we've said on today's show. Well, they'll, they'll try and do the thing that worked yesterday in the last round that had me flushing it for the last three holes of the back nine. But by the way, your story about that, you know, that's so interesting because you how you feel Friday at 5.30 p.m. is not how you're going to feel the next morning at 8.40. Your body's different. Your head's in a different spot. As he said, you might have had a steak. You might have not. You know, all, you're, to take... To think you can take uh, a feeling and, and go to sleep and bring it to the course the next morning, we all know isn't never works out. Yeah, but this is this. I remember when we had George Durrani, um, who was the you know former chair of the Mankind Project. He says that like we're addicted to comfort. Yes, we want everything to be the way we want it, and part of being comfortable is order. Yes, we want control. So these things just kind of play to to that. And in fact, you know, if you connect, like when someone's creating art, you know, we could go to the, you know, the lost art of playing golf. It is in essence, he's talking about creating shots. It's being in the moment, allowing things to happen as opposed to trying to do them right. Absolutely. Which is is about that. That's just a recipe for getting your own way. And what is it about? It's intoxicating. The idea of, of, you know, search for order and search for perfection and and to try and, as we said, I love what we're talking about with Carl there about the, you know, the idea that, uh, you know, if we can just get it right, then we'll be okay, that we'll have, like, immunity against, almost we'll be immune to all the shit that happens to us during around the the chaos. Alleviate the anxiety. Try to just like I feel crappy, so I'm going to do this thing and not feel crappy. But uh, it, it just never seems to work. So before we, <laughs> I let you go. So I, I, we had our nas- our annual champions dinner thing last night, which was great because the guy that has been the head pro at the national since 2000 and. Two, I think, Adam Brown. Sorry, what's the context for this event? It's, it's a, it? well, I'll tell, I'll tell you. So there's the guy that, and well, we every year they all the people that have won championships, the club champion, the match play, and a few other tournaments get invited to get invited to the national. Oh, cool! There's Tim McCutcheon's there. All the guys were there, but it's Adam Brown's last. He's leaving. Uh, mm. He's retiring. He'll be the pro emeritus there for the rest of his life, but. Uh, so it was a great dinner last night. We all wear our green jackets. It's pretty cool. It's one of those golfy golf things. But, yeah. but I, I bring it up because I was yesterday, usually a few of us will play the course, and then we go to the dinner. <laughs> but on Monday, I happened to be in Woodbridge getting some my snow tires on, and it was a beautiful day, and I saw the forecast for Thursday was supposed to be shit. So I call up Adam. I say, hey, dude, I'm in the neighborhood. I'm not going to get a chance to play Thursday. I never do this. Can I come over and just hit some balls? He goes, oh, my goodness, come and hit and play. Go whatever you want. I go there, warm up for about 20 minutes. A guy I used to know comes and says, hey, Humble, uh, let's go play. So I go play nine holes at a course that I love on a really you know windy, windy day. But the golf course is it's in the 4th of November, and it's in the best shape of any course I play all year, except for that course, which I played earlier in the summer. Anyway, it was just a really fun day because I had no expectations. It's a course I've played a 1,000 times. And I just kind of meandered around those nine holes, knowing somewhere in my head this will probably be my last nine holes you know, in Ontario. Well, I'm going to go away in the winter, but... And I just kind of was great. It's funny looking at the book. I was just grateful for the opportunity. And I thought, you know, it's pretty cool that I could half an hour ago, I met, you know, a Meineke car center. And now I'm on the, you know, the third hole of the Nash. 
but because I was so just kind of feeling good about the experience, it informed the my golf was pretty good too. You know what I mean? It's weird that it, oh, I I, I get it. That's yeah, your, my last nine holes was the same. I played really well, just happy to be out there yeah. playing with playing with this guy that was a client. We just we just yammered and yacked the whole time and. And and I hit it, you know. I was hitting it decent, and I and you know it's a you know it's not the easiest place to play, but I, uh, you know, it just was it was it was fun in a way that you I, because I was more about the this experience than what's my score. And as we said during the talk with Carl, you know, I happened to play pretty well. Uh, and when it was over, I got to the last hole. It was just cold, like it's five o'clock, and it was oh, yeah. freezing. I had like you know one ninety in on nine. I'm hitting a hybrid, and I miss it in the bunker, and I hit it to about fifteen feet. And I did the thing: is it possible for this putt to go in? And it did. And I thought, what a great way to end the season! I get mm-hmm. up and down for par at at the ninth hole of the national. It was just great, you know. And then I couldn't leave the club. I'm all by myself hitting chip shots. The kids from the back shop go, uh, excuse me, sir, uh, the facilities are closed. I'm like, whatever. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. These are my balls. I'll pick them up. No, exactly. Now I'm using my own golf balls. Anyway, it was a, it was a great way to end the 2019 season. Yeah, nice. And uh, what about you? Where are we going to see you next? Uh, we had a great time at the PGA Expo, but that was, uh, that was fun meeting all our old buddies. Oh yeah, I love going to those things, and it's just you know, it's kind of like I, you know, you and I because we've been in the industry for so long. I can't walk twenty feet without hey, good to see <laughs> you, right. you know, all that stuff. It's really fun. So yeah, that was a great experience. Um, I have a very very busy November. I'm going to be off to um, towards the end of the month. I'm going to be giving. Uh, a workshop at the PGA of Canada T-Talks Live. It's going to be you know, kind of my change management stuff so I'm really looking forward to that and then um, uh, a week later I'm going to be in Vancouver. I've been invited to uh, a teaching summit there and talk about some of my putting stuff, uh, my approach to coaching university golfers so that, that'll be fun. So Amazing. It's a, it's gonna be, it's, it's a busy month, and it's gonna be a lot of fun. All right, my friend. Well, I wish you nothing but the best as well. There's the music playing. Uh, Tim O'Connor, O'ConnorGolf.ca. The Humble and Fred Show continues to uh, just wow people every day at HumbleandFredRadio.com. Uh, you can check our uh, podcast, of course. Uh, we'd like you to like it. Uh, there's somebody besides Brad Cholette. Leave us a comment, okay? Brad's great. He just every time it's like, great show, fellas. How about you, other people? Huh? Let us know what you like and what you'd like to see more of and all that. We're working hard for you. Until next time, this program brought to you by TaylorMade Adidas and Bushnell. We'll see you next time. Feel right.